1: to wrestling omakase it is episode number 204 uh this week i am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest from the one wrestling podcast hello tj
2: hey john how's it going
1: pretty good um what's been up with you anything big i mean uh
2: say so it, it was my birthday this past weekend oh, so
1: happy birthday
2: <laughs> uh thanks I unfortunately couldn't go out and do anything special really but uh Got to go uh, visit my in-laws for a minute. They got vaccinated. <laughs> Lucky them. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got my, um, I got my second one last Monday, so I'm pretty happy.
2: Oh, uh, Philly's rollout of this thing is a, a total mess. I don't even want to get into it, but I'll get a, I'll get vaccinated eventually. But yeah, I got to go visit them at least and uh, see the new dog they bought, or not bought, but rescued. I should say. <laughs> but so that's pretty much all I did this past weekend and watch wrestling because I took a I basically pretty much took the whole week off the past week since uh probably like Monday. I mean I watched Dynamite but other than that I haven't watched wrestling until yesterday.
1: Oh wow so you had a lot to catch up with.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm really behind in each pick cup other than the show we're gonna talk about.
1: oh it's been a really good tournament, but you know this actually this one was not really that great, but uh the rest of the tournament's been really good. But yeah, um I, so it's funny you bring up your birthday. Like my birthday is May first, which I feel like is just gonna be like just too early to do anything, basically. So, um, like I just feel like I'm I'm vaccinated. I know a few other people who are vaccinated, but most of my friends and you know my girlfriend Nicole and everybody are not yet vaccinated. So I feel like it'll just be a little bit too early to do any kind of birthday party. But what are you gonna do? Yes,
2: yeah, I um. This is my second COVID birthday. Cause I, my, my birthday hit right after everything got shut down. Yeah. It was like the the day before my birthday is when like Morg was telling us we we're going to be going home for a, a while. Yeah. And it's been a year now. So
1: I mean the people in like through March through like June, I think, or maybe March through May are going to be the ones who get screwed with two COVID birthdays. Cause I think obviously if you were before this, you, you had your one COVID birthday already. And then, um, if you're after this, like I think starting in June, probably people are going to be able to start like having birth, like at least outdoor birthday parties for sure. I think.
2: So, yeah. So
1: if not indoor, if you're vaccinated and stuff, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it's rough being a March, April, and I think probably even May uh, birthday. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to lose two of them. What are you going to do? Um, are you a hockey fan at all, TJ? I don't know. I never asked you that before. I don't think.
2: Uh, not really. I don't. I don't really watch sports that much, okay. honestly. Like, I I follow, like, football and, like, soccer, but beyond that, I'm a little bit of, like... I'm mostly in, like, college basketball and stuff like that, but I I'm don't really watch uh, sports that often. It's more just following scores and stuff.
1: There you go. Well, hockey and baseball are, like, the only two sports I really watch. And the uh, the hockey world got big news in the past week with uh, the NHL returning to ESPN, which I guess wanted to mention because it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I It's one of these things where, like... I didn't realize how much I would be excited until it happened, I guess because you know, just on it's like on its face, I'm like,' oh, yeah, NHL returned to ESPN that's kind of cool, but once they start playing that old school uh, NHL national Hockey night theme song and like all the nostalgia from uh my childhood when the NHL was on ESPN kicked in, it's like, oh yeah, this is pretty awesome actually, so I'm excited to see uh the NHL return to ESPN. I thought Rich and Joe did a pretty good job covering this on the flagship this past week, for two guys who are like don't haven't watched hockey since like I don't know 1995 or something. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that because uh, I am excited, and I'm going to a hockey game on Wednesday actually. So that'll be my first one in a very very long time. But uh, that's like the first real, that's the first I guess uh, vaccinated privilege thing I'm doing. Is uh, my friend? My friend actually got two tickets to the Ranger game against the Flyers, and they require you to buy two tickets, I guess, as a minimum, because um, they're trying to make some money back after you know all these COVID shit. Yeah. I think it's only two thousand capacity right now in MSG, so not that many people. But you have to buy two tickets, and you know he he basically had to buy these two tickets. But he, you know all of his most of his friends are not vaccinated yet, so it was like, hey, I know you got vaccinated. Do you want to go? And I was like you know what? That sounds awesome. So, uh, but I still had to go get a fucking, I had to get the PCR test on Sunday because the state of New York requires you to get a test before you, uh, go to the game. So it was kind of a pain in the ass. Like you have to find this, like MSG teamed up with a specific clinic that guarantees you'll get your results in exactly three days because they have to be done three days out from the game. But like, obviously the results have to be back before you go to your game and like all the like there's a million local clinics around me that I could have walked to that are offering you know PCR tests but they all say three to five days so it's like well okay the Mm -hmm. three days would have been fine but then I'm really rolling the dice if it's four or five days then uh you know I can't get in so I had to go to this like one specific like uh you know walk in health clinic that's like it was like a 15 minute Uber ride away and like over in Queens so kind of pain in the ass what are you going to do? Uh, it's worth it, I guess, just to get out of the house. And I imagine at some point they'll just, like, take proof of vaccination instead of making you get the test still. But they haven't done that yet. So but that'll be exciting. My first, I think that's my first live hockey game in, like, even, like, two seasons. I don't think I went even before COVID started. Just, like, one of these things where, like, co- I-, I feel like after this shit is finally over, people are going to, like, want to do all sorts of stuff that they weren't doing even before covid started just cause it's like just fucking get me out of my house and let me uh do anything at this point like i don't know i just feel like everybody's gonna be like yes i'll take i'll do anything or even stuff i didn't really think of most that much before covid you know i just wanna uh you know i have the desire to do it all of a sudden after being locked in my house for over a fucking year
2: yes yeah, i'm definitely ready to go and do stuff i'm like i haven't. <laughs> It hasn't bothered me as much as that. Seems like a lot of other people are like staying stuck in your house because that's kind of what I pretty much always did. I barely went out really, but I'm definitely ready to go do some stuff, go to some wrestling shows finally. I'm I'm really ac- excited to actually go to a normal gym instead of like this little tiny one in my apartment.
1: Yeah, just any but, anything really. I'm I, I started yeah. planning out my Japan trip for this year, uh, just like you know, really in like the ultimate optimism, I guess. Cause it's like obviously, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go. Like, the plan was to go for uh, for Wrestle Kingdom finally in December, and you know, hopefully I can go, but it would well, shock me if I can't know, especially because they're not opening for the fucking Olympics, which I kind of figured they would, but uh, you know, it's just like, um, you know, so if I started planning out those dates anyway, because it's like, you know, I want to at least pretend I'm going, <laughs> you know, but like, uh, or had that optimism mm-hmm. that hopefully I can go, but. You know, if I can't go, I can't go. I'll just, you know, maybe hopefully I can go in, like, April 2022 or something. Go for uh, Cherry Blossom season again. But I'm hoping I can go for Wrestle Kingdom finally, because it seems pretty cool. I've never done it. Somehow I've gone three times and never gone for Wrestle Kingdom. So it just feels like one of these things I should finally do. But but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like, it's one of these things I'm planning because I want to, plan like i'm gonna go but on the other hand i'm not particularly hopeful with the the news that they're not like allowing any foreign fans for the olympics because like i kind of had in my head like okay well the olympics happen then that will be their impetus to open but the olympics are happening and they're not gonna open so i don't know. like at that point it seems like well i don't know you know they might they might just wait like a really long time to reopen to any kind of tourism then so
2: yes i'll be curious because i haven't really been keeping up with like the vaccination rollout in japan but i feel like at least the u.s yeah it's been
1: horrendous in japan they have they've they've vaccinated like thirty thousand people so far
2: oh wow (laughs) that's nothing yeah
1: so uh if anyone's everyone's hoping for the end of clap crowds anytime soon uh you got a long time to go i think unfortunately
2: but yeah, you yeah, U.S. I feel like at least to the U.S. we'll be able to travel out of the country potentially here by the end of the year. It's just, you think, will other countries be good enough? Yeah. to let us in, I guess.
1: Yeah, you'd think if they want to, like, I mean, if they want to do some kind of program where you have to be vaccinated to get in, I, it's fine with me. And I got my vaccine card here. I'm like, look, let me in. All this shit, like the, the new, I have the Pfizer vaccine, which like, there's all this new shit out that like, uh, vax people with that vaccine can't even spread it asymptomatically it's like not, it reduces even asymptomatic infections by 94 percent oh wow yeah so um you know I don't know it just seems like you know I'm vaccinated I have lots of money to spend after not doing anything for the last year. do you want me to come and spend some money in your country come on but uh <laughs> yeah we'll see I guess um but yeah so we're here to talk about three shows today. Uh, the New Japan Cup Night 9, the All Japan Dream Power Series, uh, from March 14th, New Japan Cup from March 15th, All Japan Korokan from March 14th, and DDT Daydream Believer also from March 14th. Uh, some good wrestling over the weekend, I will say. Some really good stuff on all three of these shows. Uh, actually not so much the New Japan show, but, uh, the other New Japan, uh, New Japan Cup shows lately have been really good. This is probably like the weakest in a a while. Um, But the All Japan the DET shows both had some really strong stuff that we will get into here. Uh, But let's kick off with the New Japan, New Japan Cup Night 9, March 15th. And this is where I should mention, again, if you're not a Omikase patron, uh, I am doing daily coverage of the New Japan Cup shows. So this week alone, I did uh, daily shows for patrons on Tuesday... Wednesday, uh, or was it, there was a day off in here somewhere. I don't even remember what the day off was. Uh, it might've been Tuesday actually. Yeah. So like I did daily shows on the pa- on the Patreon on a Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, I believe I should have look this up first, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I do. I did a lot of daily shows at the point. Uh, yeah. So March 9th. Okay. So the day, the one day off is Friday. So I did Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, a lot of Patreon exclusive audio, uh, you know, daily coverage covering all, all the New Japan Cup tournament matches in detail. Uh, some really good stuff, you know. The the match that everybody's going crazy about right now, the Osprey Zack Sabre Jr. match, which was from yesterday's show, uh, the March fourteenth, the Sunday March fourteenth show. Um, you know, I I, I like that match a lot. I went four and a quarter stars on it. I did not go five stars on it though, which I've seen a lot of people going on it, and I think there's a couple reasons why it's not really a five star match of the year level match in my opinion. So if you want to hear those, I guess hot takes, because it seems like a lot of people are going five stars on it, uh, you can hear them right now at Patreon.com/WrestlingOmakase, and again, all the audio from this week is up there, all the first round stuff, second round stuff, uh, you know, basically every New Japan Cup show that we don't talk about on the free feed. Because uh, we did night three last week, and we did, we're doing night nine here right now. Obviously, it's all on the Patreon. Uh, we'll be continuing it all week long. Um, I believe there's what before the finals. I think there's still four more shows, right? Yeah, the quarterfinals, and or, or three more shows. So two quarterfinal shows and a semifinals. So we'll be covering all of that on the Patreon this week. So yes, definitely check out Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase. And it's only $5, you get all your daily New Japan Cup audio. Uh, you can hear my top 10 matches of the tournament so far. Uh, a ton of other stuff, so definitely check that out. And we're doing coverage of the uh, New Japan Cup Pick'em, because we did, of course, our own Wrestling Omikase uh, Pick'em, which got 58 entries. So I've been updating the standings of all that each day and, you know, who people picked, because it is really entertaining seeing who who people uh you know how many people thought who was going to win this match or that match so you know we'll update that again after we get through these uh tournament matches here but yeah i'm i'm close to winning actually i'm only two points behind uh the current leader so we'll get into that uh did you do any kind of pick them this year tj in any of these contests i know you didn't do it in mine
2: uh no i, I sat this year out i mean i'm i wasn't super excited about the tournament to be honest yeah. like that's, from what i've seen i've enjoyed it's just yeah and I, I didn't really have any idea, really, who was going to win. I kind of have an, some ideas now. He's going to be Shingo. you're going in, I was, that's kind of where I'm leaning yeah. to. Did, I, th- I think he's at least going to be in the that final. The new theme
1: but. song is a giveaway to me. The, the theme song remix. When he when he came out with that against Okai, it's like, oh, yeah, he's winning this match. And he's winning this whole tournament, probably. But And it keeps up with the Kota Ibushi runs through L.I.J. thing. So... it's gonna be
2: like even before anything happened that's kind of who i was leaning towards anyway just because they seem to be setting up the match like a couple months ago anyway
1: i mean to me like you know shingo i could see osprey um you know those are like the two and i i kind of think that's going to be the final but i guess we'll see uh but yes so the show here the march 15th show from cork and hall it opened up or the main event actually we'll start at the top and work our way down was Jay White defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 1954 with the Blade Runner to move on to the quarterfinals. Uh, Tanahashi, you know, gets that buy out of the first round for being never champion and then loses in his first match. Um, I don't know about this match. This match was pretty disappointing for me. I mean, I I went three and a half stars on it. Um, Jay White, he just really has not been clicking with me since returning, uh, you know, from his little you know self-imposed exile after Wrestle Kingdom like I I sort of agree with the the critique I've seen around that like you know he he feels like he's stuck in neutral and it feels like he should be past this already like we the, the Kota Ibushi loss was the culmination of this character and now it just kind of feels like we're just retelling the same story and I don't know his heat segments lately like I really didn't like it against Hanare. Here it was a little better maybe, but it just felt kind of endless. And, you know, it just, he really hasn't been landing me a ton, landing with me a ton in this area lately. Um, you know, the, the finishing sequence, like it leads to a decent back and forth finishing sequence, but like, it just didn't feel, you know, worth the amount of time it took to get there, especially since it was kind of, it was kind of short by, uh, you know, big New Japan match finishing sequence standards um you know the finish was kind of was pretty clever with jay white countering the dragon screw attempt straight into the blade runner he basically like doesn't go down for the dragon screw and just like lifts tanahashi straight up and hits the blade runner off of that and it's a 100 percent clean win which i feel like he needed at this point because the, the gato stuff was starting to get pretty excessive with him but you know i it's just like i don't know i just didn't didn't love this it was good But it really, like, you know, to give a context for this tournament, I mean, I have, you know, out of 22 matches, this match ranks uh, 13th for me. I mean, it doesn't even touch my top 10. And there's been a lot of really good stuff in this tournament. I mean, seven matches at four stars or better. And then another four matches at three and three quarters. I mean, there's been a really good tournament so far, I think. And this match was well below a lot of it. So just, you know, just really kind of disappointing for these two guys uh, you know These there's always been a pairing I've enjoyed in the past you know they've had some really good matches like the uh, the match they had when Tanahashi returned from his injury at uh, the Best of Super Junior Finals in 2019 that was pretty awesome the uh, the match they had for the briefcase in 2018 at in, uh, King of Pro Wrestling was great uh, I mean this this was probably better than that Wrestle Kingdom match they had when Jay first came back with the character but other than that I don't think it was really like you know, one of their better matches or anything. I don't know. What'd you think?
2: Uh yeah, I enjoyed it, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Like honestly, like, it didn't feel quite like a cork and main event, really. It felt like something on like some random house show. Like if this had happened on like this show where um I like Osprey and uh Zach happened at a little a little like a smaller venue. Uh
1: the post match to me the big thing here was, you know, Jay White's been saying you know, he's going to win the tournament and split up the titles again uh, if he beats Koda which you know I don't think he's going to win the tournament anyway. But he did mention that Tanahashi should hand him the never title to add to his collection of belts after he wins the tournament. And that to me was like a little bit of an early build to indicate they're probably going to do a Tanahashi versus White never title match off of this uh, for one of the 500 shows coming up after the New Japan Cup. So uh, maybe that's why this wasn't great or anything. Maybe they're holding something back for that. But, you know, it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a... I don't know. You It could be Sakura Genesis. It wouldn't shock me if it was like one of the Dantaku Nights or something. I mean, they have a million shows that got a, they got a headline. So I mean, there's two Dantaku Nights and there's uh, two other nights in uh, Kagoshima that are like titled shows, uh, you know, kind of like the Hino Kunis used to be. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, they're trying to elevate the belt. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to elevate the belt, but it does feel... I agree with you that it feels really weird to have Jay White be like, yeah, the never title. I'm like, well, okay. that's <laughs> a little... But yeah, I mean, the belt is supposed to be the number two belt now, like you said. Uh, the semi-main event, also in the New Japan Cup second round, David Finley defeats Yoshihashi in 13 12 with the acid drop uh to advance to the quarterfinals this was good i mean you know it was maybe a little better than i expected to be it's not anything like it's gonna blow your mind or anything like that i mean it was pretty dull early on just like you know these two guys especially early they don't have like the fan interest i guess to like just draw people into their match you know just from the start and like it did feel kind of like You know, just watching two guys go through the motions and just do moves for a little bit. But, uh, you know, just felt like it took a while to get out of first gear. But the intensity really picked up when we got, like, a big physical elbow exchange, uh, some hard chops, and, you know, Yoshihashi, like, did this big roar and uh, gave this great kneeling super kick and a somewhat out-of-control Liger bomb but where he, like, looked like he was going to drop him. But, like, it kind of worked and made it look cool. So that's fine. Uh, and that got a two-count. That was, like, right before the 10-minute call. Uh, unfortunately, he went right from that to the butterfly lock, <laughs> which that move sucked so bad. But it wasn't the finish. And they had a really hot finishing stretch, a lot of close near falls. Uh, Finley, especially, I thought, did a really good job during this sequence, telling that he was on his last legs and, you know, didn't have much left in the tank. And the the finish, where he got this great spinning stunner counter uh, to counter Yoshihashi's, like, signature brain buster thing he does... And then immediately followed up with the acid drop of the pin, uh, it was really cool. I thought, and you know, I got it got good enough by the end. that I went three and a half on this as well, even though I thought it was pretty boring early on, like I said. But uh, you know, they really turned it on by the end and had a f- pretty fun match. And it sets up Finley versus Jay White in the uh, in the in the uh, quarterfinals, which is a you know a pairing they haven't done in a while, but it used to be a you know it's kind of that that young lion the young lion feud going way back. So.
2: Uh, Yoshihashi get knocked out already because he. Um, I've been enjoying him a lot the past year. So, but yeah, I was interested to see if uh, Finlay was going to randomly show up with the Impact Tag Titles since they won them yeah. the weekend. I was curious if they I packed guess them they up in their suitcases them. or not.
1: Uh, so Finlay, so the Finlay and Jay White thing. So White is ten and one against him, but they haven't wrestled since their U.S. title match all the way back on April twenty fourth. 2018. That was your last singles match, so that'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, these two guys you used to meet all the time, face off for the first time in you know almost three years. So that'll be pretty cool. Uh, so yes, those are your two tournament matches. We'll go. We'll go. Uh, we'll go quickly through the undercard here. Uh, match three was Sonata, Shingo and Bushi beating Yuji Nagata, Hiro- Hiroki Goto, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, Sonata pinned Taguchi in 626 with the O'Connor Bridge. Um, I didn't love this one. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty short anyway. Uh, you know, it ended via that cradle exchange. Taguchi and Sonata were just like, you know, like I said, exchanging the cradles and Sonata came out on top at the end. But, you know, not much else to it to me. I went like two and a half stars. It was alright.
2: Yeah, uh, Matt didn't really, really like my <laughs> on fire or anything, but, uh, it felt like they were just trying to rush through everything and get out and get in and out yeah. as quick as possible. Like, I, I kind of enjoyed the Taguchi and Sonata stuff at the end, but it was them exchanging pinfalls attempts, so it wasn't cradle, so it wasn't a whole lot of anything. But at least there's a positive about the match for me. Uh,
1: match two was the um, United Empire, Will Osprey, Jeff Cobb, and Great Ocon beating the Dangerous Techers and, and Maru. Cobb pitting Maru in 710 with the tour of the islands uh it was nice of the united empire to even show up for this match after tai chi destroyed their whole life basically and that backstage promo he did a couple nights ago uh he basically said they're the lamest units out of all the many units in wrestling history like he was like oh wrestling has had so many units in the entire course of its history and you guys might be the lamest of all time and he's like i don't even understand what your theme is i don't know what you're trying to do it's just a really just like he buried them it was like okay um but yeah i mean that was just a really kind of funny promo uh and taichi ran wild with choking on everyone on the empire team i was worried for a second he was gonna choke b Priestley too when she got up on the apron but thankfully she ran away i was not ready for that discourse if that had happened uh Okay, he definitely, definitely tried to he didn't like he didn't like even act like he was about to he just kind of like walked menacingly towards her and she like ran for the hell so i'm like you know what good good i'm glad we didn't do that spot thank you uh yeah, and cobb deadlifted kenemaru up for the tour of the islands straight up from the mat uh that was pretty cool but i thought this match was just fine nothing that special you know, two and three quarters. None of these matches had a ton of time because they're, they're rushing through this, you know, they have to rush through, through these whole corricans because of the, uh, you know, the state emergency curfew is still going. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you know, this show started six and then, uh, you know, they they have to be done by eight basically. But, you know, I think DDT ran long actually on their last one thinking about it. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the punishment is if you run long, but clearly New Japan is trying not to. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, not a ton to say about it besides, uh, you know, the Taichi stuff. And I guess it sounds like in a backstage promo yesterday that the Techers are going to go back to challenging for the tag titles soon. So I guess we're getting another Techers G.O.D. match, which, uh, you know, I love the Dangerous Tackers, but I can't say even I'm that excited about that.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was really hoping for uh, Okan uh, Taichi match coming out of this because I thought they had some good interactions in this match even if it was like short-lived and them getting like in their in each other's faces after the match and I kind of thought the finish was going to be like uh I think like Konamari did this like spinning DDT on Cobb and I thought with all the gifts I've been seeing of Cobb doing all this like jug- basically juggling Watto I thought that was gonna be the finish because I figured he's gonna like catch Kanemaru and hit this tour of the islands but I do think that, like the finish of like dead lifting him off the gra- off the mat and then hitting it was a little bit better than that but yeah not all a lot in my mouth it was fine uh and the opener
1: was the team of venora suzuki el desperado and doki defeating kenta taiji ishimori and jato desperado pinning Jado in 802 with the numero Dose. um you know the big things here it looks like suzuki and kenta uh still very much have a few going judging by their backstage comments lately they went really hard at each other with a strike exchange at one point and you know, they got into each other's faces after the match as well. So, clearly not going to finish off with that uh, New Japan Cup match. Going to keep this feud going. And I thought this was a... You no, know, Desperado tapped Jato out. The Numero Dos is uh, his submission finisher. But yeah, this was a fun and energetic opening brawl. Definitely the highlight the undercard for me. I think part of it is like Bullet Club versus Suzuki-Gun, at least. Because, like, you know, obviously Bullet Club has been uh kind of drive me crazy on some of these past shows but like bullet club versus suzuki Goon still feels at least kind of fresh because they really avoided that pairing for a long time even though both units have been around for a while it feels like last year was like you know late last year was the first time they really even did any feuds with that or you know at least the first time in a very long time i mean i remember they briefly did like killer elite squad against uh you know carl anderson doc gallows they had a Wrestle Kingdom tag title match, I think. But for the most part, they really avoided, you know, those two units facing each other as the two big heel units. And now, as we've talked about a million times, with United Empire kind of becoming the new second heel unit, you know, suzuki Goon's in much more of a neutral position now. Um, you know, so they're they're able to feud, I guess, more Bullet Club and stuff. So yeah, that still feels kind of fresh as opposed to, you know, Bullet Club versus Hauntai Chaos, the fucking really which is really the same thing at this point or even Bullet Club versus LIJ which has been fucking you know running to the ground over the years too but yeah I went three stars on this this was pretty fun yeah
2: I thought it was pretty fun too Jotto didn't move too bad even though he can't walk but I thought he moved pretty well in this match compared to like Honma for example but uh yeah it was, it was a fun little opener and uh not sure I'm in love with the idea of, it seems like Ishimori is challenging for the junior title, because, I mean, it would probably be a right match, but I'm not exactly thrilled about that. But I'm definitely excited for another uh, Suzuki and Kenta match, even though I haven't seen the New Japan Cup match it's yet. So good. I don't know if that was I any I, good or not, but yeah. sounds like yeah, it went, sounds like a good pairing. What
1: give? I think I gave it three and three quarters. Yeah, so it was really good, three and three quarters. Uh, you know, and it felt like they left something on the table, too, where, you know, they can do another match. Uh, so yeah, that'll do it, I guess, for New Japan. Not a ton to talk about in this show, honestly. You know, like I said, the the New Japan Cup's been really good if you haven't been watching it, but this was probably one of the weakest nights in the entire tournament. So, I mean, there's still two good matches, so it's not like, you know, it was a bad show or anything, but like, you know, compared to some of the other nights, I mean, you know, there's been like really high-end stuff in this tournament, you know, neither of these, uh, matches was really at that level. Uh...
2: I say, at least with uh, the fact that all these shows basically took place in the same weekend, I am happy that this is like one of the shorter <laughs> Japan Cup, sh- cup so, shows because so, like all yeah. the matches were pretty. Slim. So
1: coming up this week, and again, all of this can be you can hear our daily coverage of all this on the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, so tomorrow it starts the quarterfinals: Evil versus Toriano, uh, oh boy, and Shingo Takagi versus Kenta, which. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this a lot on the Patreon. This is not only their first ever singles match, it's their third meeting period. They've only ever met twice in their entire careers. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the GHC Junior Tag Title match with Dragon Gate in 2008, which is obviously a long time ago, and then in their entire time together in New Japan so far, they've met They've met in one 10-minute tag from World Tag League 2019 uh, when it was Shingo and El Torible against Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi. So, yeah, definitely a fresh matchup here. You know, they've stayed. They've somehow managed not even to face each other in these undercard tags all this time, which I don't even understand how that's possible in this company. But that's what Cage Matt says. So, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, So that's tomorrow. So, uh, you know, and Thursday in Shizuoka is the other half of the quarterfinals. Uh, Will Ospreay versus Sonata and David Finley versus Jay White. Saturday in Sendai has the semifinals. Uh, the the winner of Evil Yano against the winner of Shingo Kenta, and the Osprey Sonata winner against the Finley White winner, so all three of those shows again covered on the Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Wrestling and then the finals will be next Sunday, March 21st. That we will we will cover uh, back here on the free Omakase. So we'll cover the finals next week. Uh, looking at the Omakase pickems, let's see what people predict for these quarterfinals. So the first two. Uh, you know, so we have 58 people that entered, uh, 31 of them chose Evil, zero have chosen Toriyano to move on to the semifinals, and the other, the remaining 27 have picked somebody, you know, who was, uh, already eliminated to get through this quarter of the bracket, and then very similar in the other quarterfinal on that side of the bracket, 37 people picked Shingo Takagi, zero picked Kenta to move on to the semifinals, uh, and, you know, the remaining 21 have picked someone else, uh, to get out of this quarter of the bracket. The other quarterfinals here, also very one-sided. 49 people pick Will Ospreay, 5 pick Sonata, uh, and again, the remaining 4 would have gone with somebody else. And 48 people pick Jay White to get out of this quarterfinal, 0 pick David Finley. So, uh, you know, not, if, if there's any, any upsets in those three matches, nobody's getting points for it and might pick them. Uh The only one, you know, there's some people who think Sonata will get past Osprey, and, you know, those people will have a lot of... Uh, a big bit of an advantage against everybody else, but yeah, Jay White. I mean, those four are the same four I picked, honestly. I picked White, Os- White, Osprey, uh, Evil, and Shingo. And then, you know, I have Shingo beating Evil and Osprey beating White, and then I have the Osprey and uh, Shingo final with Shingo winning. So, we'll to see what happens as far as the standings go. Uh, Chris Samsa, who was on here last week, he is leading our pick with 30 points uh i believe the most points you could have right now so he he's gotten he got all 16 matches in the first round right or 14 matches plus the two buys and he got seven out of eight of the second round so you know the most points you could have is 32 points so he's only he only got one match wrong so congrats to chris he's done really well through the first two rounds uh and then there's a few people with 29 points. It uh, looks like one, two, three, four, five, six. Six people with 29 points right behind him. And then two more people with 28 points, uh, yours truly. And also Sean Sedor from Voices of Wrestling. They are also right behind. So those are, you know, the, the people who are very much in the mix here. Uh, a lot of other people, a few other people with 27 points, you know, 26, 25. Uh, and then really gets down to the basement here. Where my buddy Aaron has had four points this entire time. He got four matches or he got two matches right in the first round, and that's all he got, and he hasn't gotten any right in the second round. I guess it's hard to get anything right in the second round when uh you only got two matches right in the first round. But yes, uh Aaron, I think you got last place sewn up there, buddy. I assume when he did that bad he must have done it on purpose, uh, but who knows. And then second to last place, the uh English young boy announcer Mavs Gillis with 14 points. Uh he only got 10 matches right in the first round and two right in the second round. So uh yeah, the that's bringing up the and in third to last place, August Baker from Voices of Wrestling. So uh a star-studded bottom of the bracket here. And <laughs> fit August has 15 points. So, there you go. And of course, the prize is a free month of the Omakaze Patreon. So, uh if you do win this bracket, if you do win the or the pickem, uh, if you're already a patron, you just get your five bucks back for one month. And if you're not a patron, uh, you know, you get your five bucks back once you sign up. So that's pretty much how it will go. We'll see who gets the who uh, gets the inaugural crown in the Wrestling Omikase uh, New Japan Cup Bracket Challenge. All right. Let's move over to All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, they had a Corican show on Sunday, March 14th in their Dream Power Series. So this was like the second televised night i believe of the tour could have been the third maybe but the big thing here to me is obviously the uh the brand new heel unit the total eclipse unit which is basically jake lee and tajiri uh along with all the end on funds except for uh obviously uh oh <laughs> i'm playing his name all of a sudden uh shatar ashino of course and you know i ashino looked really good and pissed off here so that was good but also, like, this was my first time seeing the Total Eclipse gear, which they debuted a few shows ago on, a, I think, a Shinkiba show I didn't watch. And the Total Eclipse music, and that was really great. And, you know, just a really, really good start, I think, for Total Eclipse. And, you know, you have a, an awesome main event here, as we're going to get into in a second, uh, along with, you know, some really cool stuff on the undercard with, you know, Total Eclipse, you know, getting getting started here and looking pretty hot. And, yeah, All Japan, you know, I, to me, the... The headline for All Japan here is they've really pulled this thing out of the ditch. I mean, I'm not ready to say they're having some kind of new fucking boom period or anything. But, like, you know, the second half of the 2020, I gave up on them in, like, November. I was so fucking sick of that promotion. And I think a lot of people, judging by, you know, the stuff that came in in my uh, Omakase year-end awards and stuff. I mean, they were, like, the number two, like, negative promotion when it came to, like, worst promotion and all that stuff to WWE. And obviously nobody was catching WWE in any of those negative awards. But, like, yeah, they were the other promotion that people, you know, really had a lot of negative feelings on, you know, at the end of 2020. And I think for good reason. I think, you know, people were really, um, whether it's Tsuji Ishikawa, or Tajiri, or both of them, uh, you know, people were really fed up with the booking in this company. And I don't know. It feels like, they, um, like one change of that, you know, you can't really say, like, one big change of that level is, cures everything that's wrong with the company but like it really has helped a ton i mean jake Lee looks great as a top heel i mean he looks like the kind of thing he was born to do honestly it makes them look silly that they didn't really try this before and you know actually no looks great as a pissed off baby face and i you know just it's the kind of thing where like sometimes a double turn can really solve a lot of promotion a lot of a a promotion's problems and i think that was very much the case here i don't do you have any thoughts tj before we get into the show
2: yeah I'll say i was one of the people that voted for All japan in your awards for like worst promotion of the year but i think I, I was the one i was we were talking about it on that episode of the year end awards i was saying it wasn't like actually the worst one it's just the one that pissed me off the most because they had like won me over the during the no people era like when there was no fans all they're all their tv was yeah a, they're, the amazing. first half of their year and then was good as,
1: and that's what you're talking about with the uh with the no fan stuff it was like when the fans came back the fucking promotion fell off a cliff
2: yeah, pretty much, but I think that, like you said, I think they've had a strong start to the year, even even without, like, the total Eclipse shit. I think they started off the year with some really strong Corkins, and then with this Jake Lee turn, it just added some fire that the promotion really needed. There's, I think there's other stuff, too. Like, I think turning Purple Haze not into, like, mid-card heels and actually kind of being, like, top-end heels and having, like, not being all cheating and stuff all the time. It was, like, them just being, basically being ass-kickers. Like, they're still, they cheat a little bit, but it's not as bad as like first half of 2020 when they first debuted. And <laughs> I just wanted to not see them really at all whenever they were on my screen. But now they're like one of my favorite factions in the promotion, but I love this term for Jake Lee. Like, I, uh, again, fonts is like one of my favorite stables, So I'm sad to see them kind of done now. And I don't have as high hopes for Ashino as uh, you do. I think he's yeah. kind of basically goto now. He's just not going to do a whole lot. Like, hopefully I'm wrong, but I don't have high hopes for him, but for the rest of the infants guys and for Jake Lee especially i think this is going to help all of yeah, them they... a lot hopefully they uh actually go with yeah. him at the end of this but right now i think they're doing everything right with this faction yeah, they so look, i'm really they just happy look really about really, it really
1: like reinvigorated so i mean that's really how it comes down to it i think what you i'm glad you brought up purple haze cuz it's like having this new unit that's clearly 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 like the heels of the company has really let Purple Haze kind of pull back a little bit and be more, like, you know, in the role of, like, a neutral-style unit or, you know, just less less heelish, and, you know, I think it fits them better. So, you know, I, I think, it, it the, like, doing this, like, having a new strong heel group since they they clearly were not willing to go all the way with Anfans for whatever reason, uh, you know, really has uh, just made everything else in the promotion kind of fall into place and feel, you know, much more solid. Uh, so we'll start the main event, which was the All Japan World Tag Team title match. Uh, Kento Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi beating Zeus and Shigehiro Irie. Uh, Yuma it gets the referee stoppage on Zeus in 21:30 with the end endgame. Uh, that is their second defense of the World Tag Team titles. This was awesome. I mean, the only, I guess, complaint I, I would have, the big complaint would be I thought the initial heat segment on Aoyagi was pretty pretty goddamn dull. But like, once Mihar first tags in which I don't think takes that long the match really picks up quite a bit from there and Irie does this f- enormous beast bomber uh at one point that just like was one of my highlights of the match at least in the uh I don't know exactly what it was but it was one of the highlights of the match before the the you know the uh finishing stretch at least and you know Aoyagi you know he got the end game on Zeus pretty early on I guess but Zeus and Irie you know, got out of it and like, or Irie helped him get out of it. They were double teaming Aoyagi. Zeus got his, uh, you know, fucking chin lock of death on Aoyagi, but Kento makes a save with this big blackout knee out of nowhere to Zeus from behind, and then Irie comes out of nowhere and like takes out Kento with this insane cross body while Kento is sitting on the apron, just sends both of them absolutely flying, and that leaves Zeus with Aoyagi. But Aoyagi hits this like DDT out of nowhere, gets the end game back on. Zeus escapes for the suplex and then Irie comes flying in off camera with a huge splash on Aoyagi as soon as he lands from the suplex which is a great spot and then Zeus hits this huge short arm lariat for a two count goes for the jackhammer Aoyagi drops down behind him hits a big German followed by a kneeling super kick Zeus though basically no-sells it goes for a choke slam but fights off, fights him out with his signature kick I can never remember the name of his kick I don't know uh, whatever it's called, he gets the pin, almost gets the pin off of it, and Irie then hits uh, a huge cannonball on Yuma in the corner, and they double team him with this like it was a really strange. Just I, I don't lo- know if I loved how it uh, you know landed, but it was certainly unique. It was like a choke slam electric chair drop combo, and it, it's kind of a move where like I don't really know if the hand around the throat and the, the quote choke slam actually added anything to the move, so. You know, I don't know if it was, like, the greatest move or any, or of all time or anything, but at least they're trying something new, you know, whatever. Uh, and then Zeus hits the Biceps Explosion Lariat, which is all-time great name. Uh, Aoyagi kicks out at uh, 2.9999, just before the 20-minute call. And then Zeus hits a huge second lariat, but... And I thought he was Aoyagi was done at this point, but he fucking kicks out, two again somehow. And then Aoyagi suddenly rolls through on Zeus, gets the endgame locked in again, and... Uh, again, shocked me watching this live. That was the finish. Zeus passes out. We get the referee stoppage. Huge win for Aoyagi. Uh, and just like the finishing sequence being so awesome. You know, put this one over the top for me to go four and a quarter. Uh, and capped off what like I said, what I thought was a pretty great show by the end of it.
2: Yeah, I'll say, I love this match so much. I'm loving this current run for Yuma. Pretty much ever since last year's world tag or real world tag league like the, him them pairing him back up with kento like you'd think that would be a bad thing for him but i think it's really been elevating him because he's pretty much been the star of this team in my opinion like kento's a really good hot tag for all these matches but i think they've kind of put yuma front and center and ma- majority of these tag matches and even his um title match against uh Suama earlier this year like another thing that's looking up for all japan i think is that they're kind of going with yuma a little bit too Not kind of more like not as front and center as uh, Jake Lee, obviously, but I think uh, he's kind of starting to elevate himself a little bit. I think I could definitely see him being like a if Jake actually does beat Suama for the title, I could definitely see Kent or uh, Yuma being like a a defense later on in the rain, maybe as a heater because for the inevitable Kento Jake match, because obviously they got to run that if they ever put the title on Jake, but yeah. Same things that we were saying about Purple Haze before we even talked about the match. I, they're so much better as a team when they're doing just shit like this. Like erie's like you mentioned, his him like doing that crossbody on the apron to Kento. I like I like yelled out when that happened. I was I was amazing. Like Irie was really. I don't, I don't know what to say about it, but uh, Yeah, so this match just definitely, but. Definitely better than I expected it to be, and I still thought it was going to end up being the, great anyway. The thing
1: about Yuma, like you said, he's totally the star of this team, just like you said he was, and, you know, they've really done a good job bringing him along again as a baby face, um, you know, and, you know, I saw a lot of people be very skeptical when they, are skeptical when they put the, these two backs together, and I get it because, you know, he had turned on the guy and all that, but it really does, you know, he he's gotten off to a great start this year uh and I, you know i don't know if he's gonna win the triple ground title or anything anytime soon but you know the crowd seems like they're they're getting really behind him here um but yeah so that's uh that was a great main event uh the semi-main event did not like nearly as much uh yoshitatsu and osami nishimura beat suwama and Akaru sato uh yoshitatsu pitting uh, sato in 14-18 um so gerard who's been on the show before he's like the all japan voices of wrestling over loved this match and I don't really know what he was watching honestly. I mean, I just shout out to Gerard. He's a great dude, but I don't like when I saw him say he thought this match was awesome. I was like I... I I thought this was fine, I guess. I mean, I thought Nishimura, you know, getting worked over for a while was uh, you know, perfectly fine but also pretty dull. And like Yoshitatsu just got his ass beat by both Suwama and Sato in a way that made him look like just the biggest dork. Um, and he's, you know, obviously challenging for the title next week, which I mean, you could say, well, there's no way to make him look like a good challenger anyway, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, obviously I think everybody knows he's going to lose to Suwama in Kyoto next Sat next Sunday, uh, March 21st. But you know, this match did not do him any favors in my book. Um, you know, he, he, can't, guys, his little comeback on both guys, pin Sato, but I still didn't think he looked like any kind of hot challenge or anything. So, I went two and a half stars. I thought it was pretty boring most of the way. Didn't pick up until right before the ending. So, eh.
2: I will say, yeah, This <laughs> honestly, it was kind of boring. I <laughs> honestly, like, I was just wait, kind of waiting for it at the end. But I gotta give Yoshitatsu credit for like teaming up with like the most random guys as part of like, it's Yoshitatsu Kingdom shit, because it was like last Korkin that he was uh, teaming up with, I think he was teaming up with Nishim- Nishimura still. We had like Balian Aki in it too, with like He's just choosing some random people to team up with. But yeah, the sooner we can get this title challenge out of the way and get Champions yeah, Carnival started, I mean, the better. I think better, everybody's really.
1: kind of looking forward to Champion Carnival. And you know, I think I, people want to see this Jake Lee push happen and win the belt. And it's like, oh yeah, we have to do a Yoshi Tatsu title challenge first. It's like, okay. Uh, speaking
2: of... I'm at least happy it's someone that's not in yeah, Champions Carnival yeah, challenging I mean, before. Kind of cool, I guess.
1: So. Speaking of Jake Lee, it was Jake Lee and Yus- Yusuke Kodama beating Shotar Ashino and Koji Iwamoto in 11:26, Lee getting the pinfall on Iwamoto. Um, so the pre-match video package features Jake Lee backstage right after the Ashino turn, uh, saying that, you know, I assume he meant what happened to, uh, you know, Ashino uh, was, quote, justice. I think he said absolute justice. And I was like, oh, know, which is justice. And it's like, how very evil of him because obviously that's what evil has been saying pretty much since he turned heel is like everything is justice um but yeah the other total eclipse members uh all came out here with lee and kodama and you know this was again they they debuted these new tights a few like a week or so ago but uh you know this is my first time seeing them and lee's new black and silver total eclipse tights are pretty awesome i mean those are some cool fucking tights i don't know if you feel any differently but
2: I liked his oh. old uh gear to be honest. Like, if they had just kept the same style and just made it black, I probably would have liked it better. Like they they are fine, but I definitely kinda of prefer like the whole shorts, uh, and, like the slits so in yeah, them. Yeah,
1: this this match, you know, I thought this was good. know, he did this uh big German suplex to Kodama off the apron onto the other Total Eclipse members. That was awesome. And Iwamoto was like hang him at Lee for a little while. He even got a close near fall off his own German suplex, but then Lee was like, Okay, I'm done with this guy. And, like, took over these running knee attacks. A very, like, Nakamura-esque uh, running knee to the back of the neck. And he points at the sky. I guess that's where the eclipse is. <laughs> and that's why he points at the sky now, like he's Sabu or something. He gives Iromoto a very delayed brain buster. Like, really hangs him up there forever. And then gives him the brain buster. And that's the pen. And he almost forgets to cross his arms first. I guess that's going to be a signature pen. You know, like I got remember, remembered at the last second. Uh, but, yeah, that was kind of funny. But yeah, this was a fun coming out party, I thought, for Lee and Kodama. I liked they won clean as a sheet, because I was kind of worried when the other uh, Total Eclipse members came out with them that they would need their help to win or something. But, uh, you know, Lee looked dominant here, and, uh, you know, Ashino got his little moments to shine, and, you know, even Yomoto got to look, you know, kind of good against Lee at the end, but then Lee put him away. So, without much trouble. Yeah, I went three and a half stars. Definitely a good start here for Total Eclipse.
0: 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the voice of the wrestling podcast network.
2: Yeah. Like you said, I think it was a good start for Eclipse. I think it was just a good look to see how each guy handled the betrayals. Like Oshino's like viciousness against Kodama was great. Like he's really great at emoting and conveying just how angry he was at Kodama for betraying him and I decided to look it up and see like, when was the last time Kodama and Ashino like, actually faced off in a ring, not as teammates. And it was like back in 2017, right before Enfants formed, when uh, Sego and Ashino were facing off with him a few times before Kodama betrayed them, or betrayed New Era to join Ashino. But yeah, that's a nice thing just to see. A, definitely a, fr- a fresh uh, matchup for Ashino. But uh, maybe it's kind of just my Enfants fandom a little bit, but I felt like the two, those two expressed the betrayal a little bit better than Jake and Iomoto did but they kind of, at the same time, they both kind of did it a little differently since Jake felt more like he was just kind of toying with Iwamoto and eventually get letting Iwamoto get his anger out at him for a little bit and then offering him to uh, rejoin because at that Shinkiba show you didn't watch, um, he did offer Iwamoto a chance to rejoin him and join uh, Eclipse, but Iwamoto said, basically said no and was, I think, backstage was saying uh, that he was going to, answer him at the cork and hall show which his answer was to take his hand and judo throw him so didn't work out for that didn't get to join uh, them but i guess after that jake just got was like fine if you're not gonna join me and then just, like pretty <laughs> yeah. much destroyed him so that was really good but uh, after afterwards and yeah i love that as a new afterwards he Jay like too.
1: to continue the theme of like being very vicious towards Iromoto. he stuffed the mouth guard like down his tights the, I was, like, I don't know, just kind of, like, taunting him, like, yeah, we took, we knocked this out of your mouth, buddy. Uh, the only thing I don't like about the act so far is the very long pointing at the sky he's been doing. Like, he did it again after the match. And it's, like, I don't know, it looks kind of goofy to me. But I would kind of, like, modify that or drop that. I mean, maybe it works for him because he's such a, like, you know, a stoic guy. And that's kind of why I thought the the heel turn would work in general. But, yeah, just a little too much, like, pointing at the sky to me. Just maybe cut back on that a little bit. Uh, and he had a big stare down with Ashino you know, afterwards, but they, d- they didn't jump him or anything, which I kind of thought they were going to, but. Uh...
2: Yeah. It seems like they're going to, tr- he's going to try and do like, like not like the classy heel kind of thing. Like, I don't think he's going to like really be like they're I don't think, I don't think uh, total clips is going to be really cheating a whole lot. I think it's just going to be, they're going to beat you. And if, when they beat you, they're right, which is the whole thing he's going for is like, if we get yeah. results it's justice uh, kind of match
1: thing. number three again total eclipse kuma Hirashi, koji doi hokuto omori and tajiri beating shuji shikawa takao omori black monster and ryuki honda uh, doi pinning honda in 930 with a lariat so they use the theme song in the in match four too but this obviously watch the show in order this is my first time hearing the new total eclipse theme song i love their theme song I mean, it's, like, this big, like, spooky and evil theme song. It sounds like it came out of a fucking Castlevania game or something. It absolutely rules. Uh, I really love this theme song. I don't know if you have a ton of thoughts on it, but I thought that theme song was awesome.
2: Oh, I loved it. But I couldn't tell, like, I think the song that Jake and Kodama came out with, it was a little bit different. Like, it still started the same way. Maybe that's, like, a little hook for the themes. But I don't know. Maybe I was just hearing things, but it kind of sounded like the one that Tajiri and them came out with Is like the heat, the unit theme And then Jake has kind of like a different remix version of it Maybe I was just hearing things But it's sounded a different, either way it sounds awesome Like it sounds like some like Castlevania shit Or uh, something
1: But yeah, it was, like the Castlevania thing is what I thought of immediately It was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool And they had a logo like immediately So you could tell that this was in the works For a while uh, You know, they, they first started teasing the Ashino stuff Like what, in January, right? So they must have known this was the plan all along Uh, but yeah, Ishikawa and Doi, they had a pretty fun little, like, big dude exchange, I thought, that ended with, uh, Shuji hitting the giant knee on him, which left both guys down, and then Total Eclipse, like, we're picking on Honda, and they gave him this cool, uh, all four members lift up the guy from the arms and legs on each side of him and drop him spot, and then Doi gave him this a hard lariat against the ropes, a spine buster, a big spine buster, and then finally another lariat for the pin, uh great start i thought for the new heel unit they look great here matches a ton of fun i went three and a quarter you know just a, not quite long enough to go higher but definitely a, a you know a fun match here
2: yes i really like match two and uh i like that like former enfance now clips kind of feel like bigger threats they don't feel like the more cartoonish heels that they enfance were post june last year Maybe they, And they feel a little more re- reinvigorated, it seemed like, in the match. Maybe it's just yeah. that they know the company's behind them now. But I did love the uh, Doi and Shuji stuff, like solo stuff in the middle of the match. And I really like Doi picking up the win here because it feels like he's like the clear number two guy in Eclipse. So it's good to see them like building him up a little bit, especially since he's going to be in Champions Carnival yeah, this year I mean, for he, the first
1: time. He, he seems like he's going to be uh, an early beneficiary. And... You know they they've continued to do a really good job bringing Hokuto Amori along. I mean he's a guy that like, you know ever re- he it, it felt weird to me the first time obviously he turned and joined up with all these vessel one guys, but now like you know the the unit's even more you know has Tajiri and Jake Lee in it too now, and he fits in it more you know better than ever and he's just I don't know this kid's just a natural heel so you know and he was like the he was the guy who oh, sure. like I talked about this I think when we reviewed that show like he was the guy who um you know, basically initiated the whole turn. I mean, he, like, low-blowed... He low-blowed Ashino, I think. So, you know, I don't think that was by accident. I think they really have a lot of plans for him, probably. So
2: Yeah, I think before the big turn, him and uh, Hokuto and Ashino were kind of, like, fighting a little bit and then even, like, Ashino and Kuma. But, like, with the actual turn, it was, like, basically Doi and Kuma let Ashino get pinned and then Hokuto did the Mm -hmm. low-blow, so... It's kind of a group effort, but Hokage yeah. is definitely like the. One and that, who really if people hadn't seen the angle,
1: by the way, they they played a video clip of it. Uh, I think before match four, it was a great angle. Like the way Jake Lee just stands there and like looks at them and just doesn't make any move, and like you you could tell. I like when I was watching that show live, I'm like, oh shit, he's in on this. But they didn't make it super obvious. He was just standing there like with a very like emotionless expression, and then he just suddenly just starts joining in, starts stomping on him. And then Iwamoto gets mad. He's like, what the fuck is your problem? And, you know, Jake doesn't just, like, go after him right away. Like, you know, Iwamoto keeps pushing him and pushing him. And finally Jake is like, you know what? Fuck this guy. And it just, like, elbows him right in the face. Just a great turn. Uh, and then, you know, he even has a little bit of comedy at the end where Tajiri's, like, you know, looks around. He's like, I'm sorry. I want to stay with Jake Lee. And gives, like, a little, like, prayer hands to Iwamoto and runs off with uh with Jake and the, the Enfants guys. So just a great turn <laughs> yeah
2: yeah Tajiri's reaction to that was great <laughs> and I know I know a lot of people I know the, the people complain about Tajiri being involved in this because of course the booker, guys, booker guy has to book himself with like the hottest angle in the, fat, in the promotion but if we're tying this back into Infants at least especially or they pretty much always had like an older guy with them in West 1 it was uh, uh, Kenny Rai well Drunk Andy then Kenichiro Arai, but the same guy but so I kind of like that kind of them keeping that on in all Japan with Tajiri now, even if like, I, I understand people's gripes with him, but yeah, I, I kind of like him he's, in Eclipse. He's a, cool, he's
1: a cool little hand to have. I don't know. He's not, I doubt he's going to be like a big focus of the unit or anything, but, uh, match number two was a three-way match. Alejandro gets the win here in 702 with the SOS Toto. Uh, he got the pin. That was the DET thing on Akira, basically. Um, Yeah, so I hate three-way matches. This is the kind of shit I definitely resent the Shuji Tajiri booking team for bringing into All Japan. Uh, But with that said, this was perfectly fine. You know, two and three quarters, it was all right.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun enough three-way. Like like you said, three-ways aren't always my cup of tea, but I thought this was pretty fun. And I did really like uh, Alejandro picking up the win here. I thought he had a pretty good performance in it. And I think him picking up the win here is good news for people like me that want to see more of Alejandro in All Japan because I'm not sure why they'd really feel the need to give him a win if they don't want to at least do something with him. So I'm curious what that'll be, if they ever actually bring him in more frequently. I mean, he's on a lot of the shows anyway, but I'd like to see him get some, like a little more focus. I guess. I don't know, but you never, I don't know what they're doing with the junior division yeah. in All Japan now that Shima That's has developed. Uh,
1: the opener was Izanagi and Utamaro beating Tamura and Ryuji Hichikata. Izanagi pinning Tamura in 751. Uh, I was really enjoying this for a bit. Like, it was a surprisingly fun, energetic opener, but it ended with a major botch, so you gotta take up points for that with Tamura, like, botching the double bridge. Uh, you know, they went for it again and then almost got it, but then Tamura slipped at the end when he was supposed to schoolboy Izanagi. So I don't know. It was I went two and three quarters instead of three stars, basically. I, I, I enjoyed it, though. I mean, you know, it was a fine little opener besides the fact that they fucked up at the end.
2: Yeah, like I said, it was a fine opener, and really the main <laughs> takeaway was that they fucked up the ending, went for it again, and then kind of saved it, but not uh, really.
1: That, so, yeah, overall, I thought this was a great show. Uh, you know, Awesome main event. Uh, nothing that'll, like, fucking, you know, fill up your notebook on the undercard, but everything was fun, and all the Total Eclipse stuff is, like, the, you know, the, they just feel like such a fresh unit that, you know, that really, like, carried the undercard for me. I mean, these All Japan undercards never blow you away, really, but, like, you know, with with the Total clip stuff, I think it felt like this was a... Uh, this undercard had more, you know, more stuff to it, you know, more, like, stuff to sink your teeth into, even though the matches weren't, like, blow away or anything like that, so... But anything to add about All Japan before we move on?
2: Uh, Not a whole lot. It definitely... Uh, I think if you gave up on All Japan last year, I, I think... For now i'm cautiously yeah. optimistic that's a good time to jump jump in but I, i'm not I, i'm just half expecting them to just say lol and have kento win the champions carnival again and beat suama because it's an ode award they're assuming that's where the title match is going to end up being since they're doing mm-hmm. that for the first time like eight years i think in may so uh, i would be very all japan booking just to have kento win champions carnival and beat suama in ode award since he's the golden boy but i'm hoping it's jake <laughs> but Either way, even if that isn't Jake, I think this Total Eclipse unit's definitely uh, lit a fire under All Japan a little bit. And like I said, I think it's at least making the undercard a Uh, little bit more exciting.
1: So first of all, Thursday, March 18th, the first one-match show in All Japan Pro Wrestling history. Uh, Shinkiba uh, Shinkiba First Ring already sold out for this one-match show. Uh, This is Shuji Ishikawa challenging Jun Kazai for the Gyora TV title in a glass board and barbed wire board and TLC deathmatch. So, there you go. Jun Kasai's second defense here. Uh, I will definitely be tuning in for that one.
2: Yeah, see, I can't wait for that. I like the little preview tag they had. The last Korkin, it was like uh, with Kasai and Tomio Harada versus... I think it was Honda and Shuji. Yeah, that was really fun. So, I'm really excited for this uh, death match because... It's When's been, the last time even been in a Deathmatch? definitely been he, a while. He was
1: Big Japan Deathmatch champion, I think, 2012. Let's look this up. I, I think it's 2012 or something like that. And, you know, he retired from the Deathmatch division after that. So I don't know if he's done a single one since that. He may have done like one or two here or there. Let's see. When did he hold the Big Match title? Okay, it was close. Uh, 2013. So he held the Deathmatch title January 2nd, 2013 through November 4th, 2013. So that was his big deathmatch run. That's where most of the scars you see on his body come from, that one year uh, in the deathmatch division. But yeah, uh, he, is, he has not done deathmatches in a long time. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the next big show is, well, big show in, in, in quotation marks. Uh, next Sunday from the Kyoto KBS Hall, uh, the, again, Dream Power Series, March 21st. Uh, your main event, obviously, Suwama making his seventh defense of the Triple Crown title against Yoshitatsu, uh, that will be what it will be, I guess, uh, and Shima defending the junior title against Izanagi, uh, you know, that could be pretty good, I guess, I mean, I can't say I'm, like, counting down the days for an Izanagi title defense or anything, but, uh, or title challenge, I should say, and I doubt he's gonna win, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, It's really hard to find, I was trying to, like, look up and see if when he's gotten a title shot or anything, he might have gotten one as Atsushi Maruyama before. But let's see. See if we can see if Izanagi got any title shots in All Japan before for the World Jute.
2: I was trying to think if he challenged yeah, Uemoto same... in that last reign, but I don't think he did. Uh,
1: so he challenged Susumi Yokosuka, that's right, March 23rd, 2020. That match only went eight and a half minutes. And I think that's his only title challenge in history. No, he challenged Atsushi Aoki when he was uh, Atsushi Maruyama at the time in twenty eighteen, and he challenged Tajiri in twenty seventeen. So he's had a bunch of title challenges, so this will, this will be his fourth title challenge, and he's never obviously never won the belt. So I don't think the fourth time will be the will be the uh, charm for him, but who knows?
2: Uh... I'm just curious what the uh, involvement with like Shima and uh, Strong Hearts are yeah, going to be now that they've signed with Great.
1: Uh, the rest of the nowhere, card, but... singles match with Francesco Akira and Yusuke Kodama. Uh, we have, let's see, Shuji Chikawa, Takao Omori, and Blackman's Array uh, against uh, the team of Shitar Ashino, Tamura, and is that Hikaru Sato? I don't know who that is. Mitsuru Sato? Is it just a... Okay, it's probably just a mistranslation. It's probably Sato. Trans- though. A mistranslation. Uh and then the there's an A-man tag with Kento, uh both the Aoyagi brothers and rising Hayato against Total Eclipse, Jake Lee, Tajiri, Hokoto Omori, and Kuma Arashi. So yes, uh, there you go. That's the uh I could just check search the kanji. Let's see if who that is. Uh yeah, it is a car I don't know why they mistranslated his name in the uh, auto translator. But yeah, so that's your March twenty first KBS Hall show. Uh you know nothing like like looks incredible or anything but we are going to cover it next week because i'm into the all japan right now but uh that's like their last big show before um you know before the champion carnival there's another show at saitama and on march 28th really nothing of note on that show um and then the champion carnival gets kicked off in april i believe april let's see the date uh on April 11th, though that's 2020. <laughs> Clicked. Why do they they have this calendar goes all the way back? April 9th, so Friday, April 9th is when Champion Carnival kicks out off, and uh, we will have daily audio coverage of that on the Wrestle Omakase Patreon uh, throughout the month of April. So, you know, definitely a tournament I'm excited to cover. Hopefully, it's a lot better than last year's Champion Carnival, which fucking sucked. <laughs> i mean I, i'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't but we'll have to wait and see.
2: uh i feel yeah. like the single I mean, a block lot of tournaments, tournaments gonna help it a lot so. too
1: so let's go over now to ddt our last topic for this week uh this is the ddt march 14th corican the daydream believer 2021 some big pre-show announcements first of all really only two actually but uh so the inaugural ultimate tag league 2021 uh, opens on Mar- May 9th on Korakin and the finals are May 27th at Shinjuku Face. I can't say I was dying for another uh, round robin league Japanese wrestling, but uh, you know, I'm willing to see what this is like. This one we will not be covering uh, in daily coverage on the Omakase Patreon because I do enough of those already, and they always make me want to die. So uh, we'll, we'll stick with King of DT and Do for the Omakase Patreon schedule. But yes, yeah, so another another tag league. Are you excited, TJ?
2: Oh, it'll be fun to watch, Probably I won't watch it, like, every time, like, as soon as it airs or anything like that, but I'm always down for some tournaments, and I'm curious yeah. what teams are going to be in it, to be honest, because, I mean, there are a couple, like, standby teams, but they, I'm sure they'll throw together some random stuff, especially with, like, All Out just breaking up, so there could and be some new, new trainee, potential teams. Uh,
1: Yuya Kuroko Koro- will debut on April 11th at Corican Hall, 23 years old, from Chiba, uh, his background is in baseball, karate, and amateur wrestling, and he's trained at the Animal Hamaguchi gym, uh, so that's exciting. Also, I want to give a plug, by the way, for all these translations to the, uh, as we always do, the DDT English update account, although I think it's now DDT Tokyo Joshi English update account, uh, but yeah, it's DDT Pro underscore ENG, so shout out to Mr. Haku and the, uh, the account over there. But yeah, so that's, uh, a new trainee, that's pretty cool, I have to wait and see, uh, you know, he debuts next month at Korkin, so. Uh, the a fun thing to open the show, so 10 years ago, right after the Great Tohoku Earthquake, you know, Japan was, like, trying to conserve energy nationally, and, you know, DDT, they did their first show post-disaster, and, like, you know, they cut out the Tron and did the whole opening video live, with, like, you know, these wrestlers, like, piling into the ring to... um you know like basically do a live rendition of like uh of the pre-show graphics and you know obviously that 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 earthquake was a terrible tragedy and japan has been doing a lot of stuff to try to you know um you know commemorate the the tragedy you know never forget kind of thing and it's one of these things where i'm sure it must feel weird for people to uh commemorate that kind of tragedy when we're in the middle of a, an ongoing you know uh crisis but like uh i it's cool they did this and the the dt wrestlers had a great time with it coming in the ring and like all getting each other's faces and while they're being announced so that was pretty cool and a really cool thing to do you know to uh, uh commemorate like i said what was a terrible tragedy so uh the let's start at the main event here and work our way down uh and what a main event we're starting with here the DDT universal title yuki ueno defeats yusuke okada uh, with the WR in 2001, his fourth defense, this match was fucking awesome, um, like, I, I feel like a broken record on this show at this point, but Yuki Oweno is the most underrated wrestler in the entire world, I mean, he goes out here and has nothing but outstanding, outstanding matches for this universal title every time he gets in the ring, he was great before this title reign when he was in, a uh, Natalius two with, uh, you know, God, why am I blanking on his name? The big dude. Thank you. Naomi Yoshimura is currently. Uh, Naomi out Yoshimura. uh I was thinking like big and orange. Those are two things that were going co- coming away, but the name was not coming. Uh <laughs> but yeah, when he was in the Natalia's team with Naomi Yoshimura, uh, you know, they the, you know, they had outstanding matches as a tag team, and ever since that team had to break up, unfortunately, because of Yoshimura, you know, needing time off to heal his neck, I mean Ueno has been incredible here in this Universal title, right? I mean, this guy, you know, if more people watch DDT, people will be talking about this guy as like one of the great young wrestlers in all of wrestling. I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's like one of the best anywhere, not just in DDT. And, you know, this guy is only 25 years old and he's already this good. uh He just turned 25 in September. He's not even like about to turn 26. And yeah, I mean, Okada's great. I think a lot of people know that already because, you know, Yusuke Okada was in all Japan and, you know, people were kind of like, are they ever going to push this guy? Like, what are they doing? And, you know, it turned out that, uh, of course, he was leaving the company at the end of the year. uh, And that's why they they had, like, so heavily de-pushed him last year. But yeah, these two guys, they just, you know, two young dudes here who really just went out there and, you know, they put on a a show here. I mean, you know, they, they just let it all hang out. They just threw themselves all over this ring with reckless abandon. Every cliche you can come up with, they did it all. Uh, You know, there was like this one late match exchange where like Ueno was going for some kind of, or late match example, I should say. is going for some kind of like standing senton into the corner with Okada just standing there. And Okada moves and like he doesn't slow himself down. He doesn't like prepare himself to take this bump. He just absolutely nails this, turnbuckle pad crotch first at top fucking speed it looked so brutal and it led immediately where the two with the two of them being out in the apron where okada gave him this big german suplex uh you know out there and yeah i mean that's that whole little sequence was like just a great example of how they, they just went out there and they were just going a mile a minute and just like you know doing everything they could here to have an amazing match and okada you know got, got this whole string of big moves after that for near falls he did this big fisherman's brain buster hold uh that ueno just barely kicked out of which got like a big shocked reaction from the crowd they cl- they clearly thought that was it uh and Oeno comes back with this absolutely batshit rana from inside the ring to okada standing on the apron that okada takes this insane bump for the noise as he hits the mat um was just like incredible just like I don't know, just smacked the fucking mat on the outside. Um, and that ends up being the turning point. Oweno hits a few more moves back in the ring and finally gets the pin. Uh, this was fucking awesome. I mean, really spectacular. I went four and a half stars. I think this was better than Zack and Osprey, which people are, you know, praising more heavily uh, from the same weekend. I was already thinking four and a quarter, at least, until that fucking insane Rana spot right at the end. And I think that basically was like where, okay, I'm giving this match four and a half stars. I mean just a crazy last spot that really took this one over the top for me. And I think it just barely edges out Endo Akiyama, which I also gave four and a half, uh, you know, for my DDT match of the year so far. And Oeno, you know, he is, you know, uh, uh, Jamie, who of course runs the uh, dramatic DDT blog. He said it, you know, before uh, in, in, our, in the voice of wrestling discord that Ueno is the, D- the DDT MVP at the moment. I just, I don't even think it's close. I mean, he is an incredible, incredible wrestler and this was an incredible match. If you don't normally watch DDT, if you didn't see this match, uh, make sure you go out everywhere to see it. This was so awesome.
2: Yeah, I'll say it was an incredible main event, and I'll one-up you and just say, you need to watch, like, all of uh, Ueno's title matches for the, with this belt, because like, I was not in love with this belt from like the, the, when it started, because it was basically all Chris and Sasaki with their endless feud, and then finally Ueno wins his belt, and it's just great match after great match and I think this is like the best match of his reign so far and like I said, probably the DDT match of the year for me right now. The only other match I can think of that'd really compare it is the um Eruption versus Sonic Club from uh, Kawasaki Strong. Or I think it was called Ka- no it wasn't Kawasaki Strong. It was um it was sometime last month. I can't remember what show was on. But that those two are probably like the front runners for like my DDT match of the year. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's incredible. Wayne was on this just amazing run. He's pretty much going to be the man i think about with this belt for the future until someone else eventually one-ups him if they are able to and i don't know what they're doing like why they're dragging their heels with signing okada but they need to get him under contract immediately because i got maybe it's financial reasons i don't really know but the dude doesn't work anywhere else except for ddt so i don't know why they won't just put the pen to paper for him cuz he's been on an yeah, incredible run awesome. in ddt since he showed up and yeah, so this is definitely like one of the best matches I've seen in the past couple weeks, at least. Off the top of my head, the only one I can think of in comparison would be the um, Kaito Ishida and Shun Skywalker yeah. uh, Dreamgate hey, match, only, the match from Dragon Gate the same level last week. and
1: Shingo in the New Japan Cup, which was also almost as good. But I don't know; it might have been better. These two, are, those two, are really, really close. I mean, they're both four and a half star matches. But yeah, uh, you know, this has been a just a really hell of a run here for. Uh, for Yuki ueno and you know he's a guy that like if you don't watch the eta you gotta pay more attention because he is so fucking good uh the semi-main event was for the kod six-man tag team titles uh the team of tetsuya endo soma takao and yuji hino defeat the young communication generation uh, akito kazuki hirata and shota uh soma pins shota with the running elbow butt in 1307 so that makes Damnation the forty third six fan tag team champions. Uh, they failed in V three here, the other team, I should say. But yeah, this was good. I mean, it wasn't like the the two matches on either side of it. I think were uh, more spectacular, even though I I don't know if I love the extreme title matches. We'll get into in a second. But uh, you know, this ma- the big thing in the the pre match, uh, Kazuki Hirata comes out wearing his six man and eight man tag title belts like both around his waist, one on top of each other, like a true Chad. That was so awesome, uh but yeah, there was like this, uh there was this pretty funny spot where like you know here at uh he thinks he has Uji Hino on the ropes after a lot of help from both his teammates, and he tries to hit the title match bomber on him, but Hino tags out to Endo, who like leaps into the ring off the top rope and just like lands on his feet on his feet in front of him, like you know hello. Uh, and it's just kind of like it was kind of funny, like just Endo landing right, cause they had a lot of history too. It's like uh, you know, Endo doesn't like him, but yeah, hirota did finally get the title match bomber out of nowhere. Uh, and Endo takes this fucking awesome flip bump for it. That's like almost a thing of art. I rewound that bump like five times. It was just an incredible uh flip bump by by Tetsuya Endo, and soma ends up getting the pin pretty much out of nowhere on Shota with his big running elbow. Definitely wasn't expecting that, and uh, I thought this was fun. I went three and a half stars. Good match.
2: Yeah, that was a pretty good match. Really, I was, I was probably damnation I think, one. I to I be think honest, like, I kind of expected like Akito and them. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I was kind of expecting them to at least have a little bit of a longer run, but I mean, it's six man yeah. titles. They can pretty much change whenever. Because I've I really been enjoying this uh, Akito Harada Shota team. Yeah, the really the like, theme of the match felt like it was like them trying to figure out how to deal with Hino cuz that's kind of been honestly it's been the, kind of the theme of like all of Hino's matches since he joined DDT is it's like these guys trying to figure out what they can even do to this guy to beat him. And I loved like her, like you mentioned with Harada or with Harada thinking he had uh Hino on the ropes <laughs> and then fucking it up cuz he took too long and and uh, Or Hino was able to tag out. I love that. But yeah, it was a pretty good match. Uh, I kind of like I said, I'm, just, I'm really just surprised Damnation won, and, but we'll see. I'm curious who's going to beat them now, because I don't know who they're going to have that can handle him. Uh, match now.
1: four is for the DT Extreme title, a barbed wire casket death match. Chris Brooks defeats Shuma Katsumata by casket burial in fourteen ten. So Shuma fails in a second defense, and Brooks becomes the 51st Extreme champion. Um, of course, this was Joker Shuma. And the casket seemed to have Lego pieces glued to the side of it, which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match, you know, had had lots of crazy spots. I mean, Shuma, you know, set Brooks up with like he tried to set him up for some kind of like uh, crazy, crazy like chair contraption, and like tried to suplex him off the top rope onto it. But like, you know, Brooks like ends up stopping him, or he tried to like do a splash off the top, you know, through the contraption. But Brooks got up and stopped him and hit this like big like swinging suplex off the apron under a chair pile that looked pretty nasty uh shuma did a uh like a death valley driver on brooks off the apron through a barbed wire board set up between two two tables that looked nasty for both of them um and you could see you could see where brooks back was all bloody from the barbed wire um you know there was there were like actual tacks instead of legos and the the normal like in the lego set which was uh you know, again, nasty stuff they did in all the tax and stuff. But, like, when, you know, Brooks goes to stuff Schumer in the casket, and suddenly two Joker druids showed up clearly Takashita and Mao. That was, you know, I, I get it. This is supposed to be goofy anyway, but, like, they're doing all this, like, thumbtacks and, like, barbed wire shit, and then all of a sudden we have Joker druids. It seems just kind of, I don't know. Like, you, it's DD chase. So I shouldn't be surprised, but, like, the, the the shift in tone didn't really work for me there. And you know they distracted Brooks so Shuma could low blow him, uh, and then like we have like I said Joker Druids, but then he puts tacks in his mouth and super kicks him. It's like okay, like uh, it just seemed a little like totally off there or something. And then Shuma like he invited the Joker Druids in the ring, and then he essentially just used them to balance himself and hit this weird swinging DET off the second rope. It didn't even look like he needed the Druids to balance himself. It looked like he could have just climbed up the second rope by himself. But the actual D.E.T., I think it was supposed to look cooler than it did. It just kind of landed pretty awkwardly right next to the ladder. Um, and Shuma, you know, the finish was, like, really goofy. But, like, you know, uh, he, he, like, he basically, like, tried to set up, you know, Brooks for some kind of flying splash with Brooks's head on the lid of the casket. Brooks moves out of the way Pulls the lid with him So Shuma just fucking falls right in the casket And Brooks slams the lid on for the win And it's like after all that That was the fucking finish Like you go through barbed wire and all this shit And the the finish was like "Whoopsie daisy Are you laying in the casket Okay It was like I don't know It was like it was a cute finish But like too cute by half Uh, But this still had a lot of sick bumps Fun garbage spots Uh, You know I can I don't know I went three and a half stars Really didn't know how to rate this it was goofy. It was fun. Had a lot of crazy bumps. Had a lot of weird shit and stupid shit. So I just slapped three and a half on it and moved on with my day.
2: Yeah, so I, I really like this match, but I was coming in here for like really stupid spots and they got, they delivered in that. And like you, I didn't love the whole Joker Druid thing, mostly just because it didn't feel like they even did anything. Like I didn't even see them. I didn't even see Shuma like do the low blow. So i didn't know that's why they were just distracting him or distracting him for and then whatever that dt spot with them like basically like assisting them i don't know i think it would have been better if they just had takashita and mao come out like they were already the ones carrying out the casket before the match i think he would have got the same thing across of them being in the joker makeup that was the whole reason they were doing it just to Mm -hmm. show takashita and mao and joker paint so they could have just done that with them carrying the coffin but i don't know i enjoyed it a lot I definitely prefer Chris in, like, this style of, like, goofy match and doing stupid spots can, rather than him trying to do, like, big, epic matches. So, hopefully – I'm not exactly thrilled with him winning the title. Well, One, because I thought I would, like, see Shunima have a longer reign. But also because I don't really love Chris' singles matches that much. But at least with the extreme title, it's usually – it's going to be gimmick matches. So, I'll probably enjoy – I'll I'll probably enjoy uh... them more than his uh, universal title run. Because really, the only thing on that run I really enjoyed that much was his, like – Afterward, match our with, new York extreme uh, champion
1: nailed the casket shut, I guess hoping to suffocate Joker Shuma to death. And four more druids, this time not Joker druids, just generic druids, uh, carried the casket to the back. So there you go. I guess Joker Shuma's dead? I don't know. Uh, after the match, we find out who Takagi's partners will be for the March 28th Korokin eight-man tag title match. And Takagi put together a team of fail-sons he put together a team of guys who have like not lived up to their. Actually, I don't know anything about the fucking. I don't know about Nabe Yakan. His father's like a beloved comedian from the Showa era, according to uh, the Dramatic D T blog. I don't know. I think he's from like what? B- fucking Best Body Pro Wrestling or something, right? Yeah, and
2: yeah, it's like Best Body Japan. Like I didn't. I didn't know what his name was or like what his deal with the company yeah, is, he's... but I, re- I definitely recognize. I think he's like some that kind of powerlifter and but... also
1: uh, an actor, according to what I was able to Google. But like, he's very short, which I guess is, the, is kind of funny. But then obviously, you have Yu Gi Oh Naya, who's very, very tall, so he looks funny next to Naba Yakan. But uh, he's, his, you know, he comes from a family of famous sumo wrestlers, and so far, he's done absolutely nothing as a pro wrestler. And Chikara, who's uh, obviously, you know, the fail son of Mitsuo Momota and the grandson of ricky dozen so yeah it's uh takagi and the fail sons which is was like quite the team here uh in that eight man tag title match but they're calling themselves actually team thoroughbred but there you go he took takagi sworn to protect and nurture <laughs> these people that's great so that's uh that's something uh match number three junakiyama and makoto oishi versus kashisada higuchi and Yukio Sakaguchi ends in a double countout in 744, obviously building up the Akiyama Higuchi KOD title match for, for in a couple weeks. Um, you know, this was pretty good. You know, Higuchi like, tried to go after Akiyama with the claw again and got his big leg sweep into the pin attempt, and you know, which he, he pinned him in the uh, DO in like two minutes or something last time with that. But uh, this time, Oishi was there to save, and then everyone fought on the floor, I and mean, we get the always disappointing double countout finish. But I thought there was good action up until then. Uh, I'm surprised they thought Makoto Oishi of all people couldn't take a pinfall here. But whatever, three stars I went. It was pretty good. It was fine. Didn't go very long and ended very abruptly. So
2: yes, I I enjoyed this a lot. I do agree. I mean, you know, obviously, it's always not. It's never good to have a double countout. And I wish this match had gone on a little bit longer but I mean what we did get to see I liked like I liked how they got to the double count out like that whole finishing sequence but yeah I wish I could have just had a just had Oishi eat the fall but and also I did love uh I, I don't know if the I don't know moving inside well but I know like Oishi was had a Higuchi in this uh submission hold and I love that Higuchi just like used the claw to escape it that was like probably like one of the big highlights in the actual match of it but really I just I don't know I'm very excited for the Higuchi and uh, Akiyama match. And I think this kind of just helped me get a little more hype for it. But as far as like a match itself, it wasn't anything special, but tail. I enjoyed it.
1: Hirashima and Toru Washi beat Daisuke Sasaki and Mad Pauly, Konosuke Takashita and Mao and Yuki Ino and Yuki Onaya in a four-way tag match. Hirashima pins Ino with the Somato and 844. This is pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, Sasaki and Pauly for some reason jumped Takashita during his entrance uh, and Hiroshima and Owashi hadn't even come out yet. They, like, peered through the curtain when the music hit and then hurried out. That was pretty funny. Yukio Naya, he's lost a lot of weight. Like, he almost looks like a totally different person between the, the weight loss and the different hair, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and, yeah, Hiroshima pins Ino with the Somato after taking out Naya by essentially ramming Ino's shoulder first into his own partner. Uh, fun little match here, all action. Nothing you got to go anywhere to see or anything, but I went three and a quarter. I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it was a fun little match. I think I really I really enjoyed the team of Sasaki and Polly a lot more than the team of Pauly and Soma, which seems to be, like, the default team they go to for these undercard shows. I think Sasaki and Pauly have a little better chemistry yeah. together, especially just like for comedic spots and stuff. And I did love uh, Takashi to go into suplex uh, Sasaki, but Sasaki, like, grabbed the ref, so he almost suplexed both of them. And then afterwards, Takashi just, like, kind of patted the ref's head to be like, "You're, oh, you're okay, it's okay. <laughs> but I... Kind of didn't like that. You know, ended up taking the fall here because I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do with him now that All Out's done. He doesn't really have any kind of direction, and he just came back, so there it's not go. ideal, really. Uh,
1: the opener was the six-man tag team match. Uh, with was this? I think this may have been the first ever pin for Kago Nakamura. Did he? Did he get a pin before this, or it was just his first championship? I don't know.
2: This is technically his first real pin, and like I think it was, it was like last year. Yeah, yeah. Why well, I, I like saw I saw that match. Yeah, 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 Where they switched that's, bodies. That pretty great. So that's not like that's technically his first pin, but it's not actually his first pin. But yeah, of course, his yeah, uh, first so, actual pin so falls great. over a photo book. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so it was uh, the D T Ironman Heavy Metal Heavy Metalweight Title Six fantasy match. Uh, the Young Bucks autobiography, Killing the Business, Don Shokudino and Keiko Nakamura, and they came out to the Bucks theme, which is really funny, defeated the Saki Akai photo book, Lip Hip Shake, the current champion, or the champion entering this match, I should say. Saki Kai and Antonio Honda, with Nakamura pinned Lip Hip Shake with the exquisite in 833 to become the 1,500th champion. Yeah! A big milestone champion too and he, and he was champion for like a minute <laughs> But yes yeah, so, Because uh, right after the match Saki pinned him With the rookie award to become the 1,501st champion Um Yes yeah, so the, the two books started They didn't do anything because they're fucking books Uh and Akego came off the top rope To try to knock one down But they both stayed up uh, So Honda and Dino came in to get the books And this was under tornado tag rules uh, so that was fine i guess and saki and keigo tagged in saki was like well in control because which makes sense because like keigo nakamura looks like he weighs about as much as saki Ikai, except saki's clearly like he looks just as skinny as her but she has like six inches on him uh but then dino came in and hit her from the outside with the bucks book or he didn't come in the ring he just hit her from the outside with the bucks book to uh, let uh keigo have a fighting chance here and then Godahashi ran out, armed with a spoon for some reason, to try to get his Saki photo book back and ends up in a fight with the actual Saki Akai. And Dino takes advantage, gets with the Don Shoku driver, but then knocks himself out on the top rope with the book when aiming for Honda. That made me laugh a lot. The book fell on top of him, almost pinned him. I thought it was going to be the finish. But Kego made the save. Yes, folks, we had a uh, false finish with a book almost pinning a man <laughs> that actually might be funnier to me than having an actual finish with a book pinning a man uh and then Kago gives the magazine a springboard moonsault he le- leaps from the apron to the second rope and i guess that's the exquisite and becomes the new iron metal heavyweight champion iron man heavyweight champion uh and he seems to be like having a moment with the book afterward so a visibly disgusted saki boots him in the face to immediately pin him for the title, which was funny. This was hilarious. I enjoyed every second.
2: Oh, I love this match. It's so funny. And I just love that, like I mentioned, this is like Kago's first big win, first title <laughs> win in the company. And it's over a photo book. And then he loses it because so he, he was, was fucking so horny. she's so
1: disgusted by his horniness. She's like, I have to do something about this. Yeah, it was something. Uh, the only other match on the show was the dark match which was uh, Hideki Okatani beating Tori Kojima with the Northern Lights Suplex in 419. Now I tend to say about it, very basic young boy match uh, not much that made it stand out to me so two and a half stars or so, very average match
2: Yeah, it was a fine little, title, or a fine little dark match um, I'm just enjoying watching uh, Kojima kind of develop on this undercard a little bit I think he's pretty decent so far for a young boy but I mean it's a young boy, but it's really to say about him. But I am enjoying Hideki a lot, though. Like, Okotani's been improving so much as part of Akiyama Gun. I can't really show it in here, but I just want to say that I'm, I think he's been improving yeah. a lot ever since uh, so Akiyama showed up. That is
1: Daydream Believer. Definitely, you know, if this is a show that, like, you know, didn't stand out to you, you know, you the listener, I mean, uh, because there's no KOD de match on top or anything. And it was like a, you know, it's a weird month with two corkins which he doesn't do all the time uh definitely watch it because especially there's a great show in general but the main event especially was fucking awesome i do not miss that main event with the wait on okada uh but yeah good good show here uh definitely enjoyed it uh
2: yes even if you're not like a ddt person i definitely at least check out the main event i think that's a match like anyone Uh, can really enjoy next
1: show coming up in two weeks like i said in under two weeks now the DDT Judgment 2020 24th Anniversary Show, also from Korokin on March 28th. Uh, the main event is the KOD Openweight title, Jun Akiyama vs. Higuchi, uh, very much looking forward to that. We also have the 8-man tie title match I just talked about before with Shinya Aoki, Super Sasango Machine, Antonio Honda, and Kazuki Hirata against Shinshiro Takagi and his team of fail-sons. Uh, a special DDT 24th Anniversary single match. Uh, Hiroshima versus Yukio sakaguchi that could be really fun uh, and then we have the Damnation versus Sauna Club um, or I guess are they now the 37 Kamina that's what their name is now okay uh, <laughs> it's, it says the, 30, that's the 37 Kamina are now getting going as a full time unit uh, yeah I don't know okay I don't know yeah, I, that's what it says here. Well, oh, I nice missed time. it too, so uh, <laughs> someone will have to explain that one to me. So, Damnation versus the 37 Kamina. Uh, Daisuke Sasaki, Tetsuya Endo, Yuji Hino, and Mad Pauly against Kenosuke Takeshida, Yuki Ueno, Shuma Katsumata, and Mao. Uh, match 3, Don Dino, Makoto Oishi, and Saki Akai against Toru Washi, Akito, and Keigo Nagamura. Uh, Soma Takao facing Hideki Okatani in a singles match and Chris Brooks and to, uh, Tori Kojima against Yusuke Okada and Yuki Ino, so some fun stuff on that Koriken, uh, definitely looking forward to that, so that's coming up on the 28th, we also already know a few matches for the April 11th Koriken, uh, the April Fool show, uh, which is Katsata Higuchi and Yuki Osakaguchi defending the KOD tag titles against Hiroshima and Yuchi Okabayashi from Big Japan, uh, and actually it's the only match we know we also know Gorgeous Matsuna will have a pre-60th birthday commemorative match again right now his opponent is just listed as X and we also know Yuya Koroko will have his debut match but he also has an X as, as his opponent so uh, that's what we know so far about April Fool but tag title match looks cool but I uh, don't know much else there you go uh, alright TJ I want to get some plugs in here before we wrap things up
2: Uh, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at aspir underscore. Uh, not a whole lot of wrestling tweets, mostly like anime, gotcha really? games, really. That, like, but uh, with Nicole, I
1: just finished the first season, it's so good.
2: Uh, no, like, I've most like mm. most anime I've been watching lately is like the current season of stuff, it's like watching uh, Higarashi, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen.
1: Yeah, I'm way, I'm way, uh, current, I'm way behind on current stuff. And Nicole uh, wanted to watch uh, Princess Tutu, which is like this 2002, like it's this weird. It's like Sailor Moon meets ballet, basically, and it's really fucking good. So uh, if you're look in the market for a 20 year old anime, a 20 year old uh, shojo, definitely check out Princess Tutu. It's a lot of fun. Although we had to buy the fucking Blu-ray because they only had the, for some reason, all the streaming services only had the English, which was annoying, but. Yeah, it's, I, I, I ain't, you know, no offense it. people like dubs, but dubs are not for me. Not a, not a dub person. Yeah, not a dub person. Yes, yeah, uh, But yes, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted your plug, so go ahead and plug your podcast too.
2: But, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, Uh also host a podcast, the One Wrestling Podcast. It's uh, me and my wife, Caitlin, just talking about whatever uh, show that week we decided to talk about and talk about news and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this week, we'll... Talking about two of the same shows, me and John just talked about, so you can get my wife's thoughts on that. Since you already kind of heard mine, but it's a DC show, DC Corkin and the Old Japan Corkin. But we're also going to talk about the uh, big Noah show from over the weekend, uh, which had a uh, Muto doing his uh V vict- one uh, for his uh, Reign of Terror, as some seem <laughs> to think it is, and the in, fucking, the VOD uh, title uh, match and some other Noah stuff. But... was
1: just popping off. People are uh... <laughs> people were very upset about the uh, the. <laughs> the, the, what the Mudo title reign. It's like I don't know I don't I don't really have strong feelings on it either way so I've kind of been like avoiding the uh you know the total what you know the total discourse on it I guess it just really like you know it just really has not uh <laughs> it has not grabbed it either way I guess because like I don't think I'm not like I don't think the Mudo title reigns gonna like fucking save the company I don't think it's gonna tank the company uh, I'm very ambivalent on it. I just really don't care that much. So, people are like freaking the fuck out, though.
2: Yeah, I think it. Yes, yeah, so if anything, I think it's just gonna be same old, same old. I don't think it's gonna like kill the company or anything, but it's not gonna be as great yeah. as Ghost Tailoring, obviously. But I don't know, it's fine. And I was just surprised so many people well, thought Ito was actually gonna win. He
1: figured he probably wasn't going to, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah,
2: we'll see. I think he might still be the one to beat him eventually, just a little early for that. I, i unless Nosawa and Cyber Age, we're going to pay him a ton mm-hmm. of money. I don't think Mudo is going to go and have a V zero reign, but but anyway, you know, uh, check out our podcast. As mentioned, the one-nothing podcast, you want to hear more stuff from me and uh, my wife Kaylin. But uh, folks, that's of course, it for plugs for me. Uh,
1: you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle omakase Wrestling One vet Uh, we have the Wrestling Omakase Patreon at com. Slash omikase, uh, where you can you know listen to our daily ongoing coverage of the New Japan Cup. Next week here at back on the Omakase Free Feed, we'll be covering three shows once again. This time it will be the New Japan Cup Finals from March twenty first, the Noah March twenty first uh which has the Kano uh, versus uh, oh god Kano versus uh, Iron Head <laughs> and Vegeta uh, no GHC National Title Match. And the All Japan March 21st Kyoto KBS Hall show that we just talked about earlier with the uh, big Yoshitatsu title challenge. Uh, My guest will be Jerry Evans from Voices of Wrestling. She'll be coming back on. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, So Jerry and I will be covering those shows next week. Uh, In the meantime, folks, thank you as always for listening. And we will see you next time.